Welcome to Southside Community Church. Enjoy our Sunday morning message. So we've been encouraging you to bring your Bibles, your physical Bibles. And if you don't have one this morning, that's, that's totally fine. We have uh, bulletins if you don't have one of those, but um, they're in the back. Someone can get you one of those. In our bulletin, you, you'll see our passage for this morning, which is Ephesians 3. But we've been encouraging you to bring your own Bibles because there's something really special about being able to underline and mark and write in the margins It kind of becomes a little bit of like your own diary between you and God. I have a note-taking Bible. It just has this margin in the side where I can take little notes. I don't take massive notes there, but if there's something that stands out to me, I just kind of put a little arrow to the side. Um, It's a really good thing to have your own Bible, your physical Bible, over time, over years, as you dedicate yourself to the reading of the Word. Um, If you have your own that you mark up, you can look back and see how Your thoughts have changed, how God is changing you in different ways. And in the book of Luke, he begins his letter to a guy named Theophilus. He wrote the gospel of Luke um, as as an account. He kind of walked with Peter. But he says this to Theophilus in the very beginning of the book of Luke. He says, I'm writing this to you so that you can be certain of the things that you've been taught. So one of the incredible things about the Bible is when you read it and you mark it and you write notes and you ask God to show you what's going on, He helps you to be certain of the things that you've been taught. So you're not sure about God, get into His Word. He will help you be certain of the things you've been taught. And then you don't have to take my word for it up here. You know, you can go to the Word yourself and be certain. So it's a good thing to have a Bible. It's a really, really good thing. Um, we are in Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 21, and I'm going to go ahead and read that. For this very reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God." Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So we're coming to the close of the first half of Ephesians. And we talked a couple months back on how the first three chapters of Ephesians is really doctrine heavy. It's teaching about God. It's teaching about salvation, the truth, the facts about God. And uh, chapters 4 through 6 are the practicals of Ephesians, what we're supposed to do in light of what we learn about God. And so Paul actually ends uh, the first three chapters with a prayer. That's what that was that we just read. That's one of Paul's prayers for the Ephesians. And it's really important to know that this is a prayer because 
This is what Paul is asking, requesting God for the Ephesians, and in turn, because of how God works, Paul is requesting this for us as well. So if you're sitting in here this morning, that prayer that Paul prayed to God, you know, 2,000 years ago was a request for you too. That's a, it's an important fact because as we get into the prayer, we're going to see how God petition, or Paul petitions God on our behalf and what our lives are meant to look like. In the first chapter, Paul prays a prayer of power. He prays a, a prayer of a certain type of power that, that we would know um, God's power towards us. So what is God doing for us outside of us? This prayer in, in, in chapter 3, what we're going to be looking at this morning, Paul prays for a certain type of power that we would understand that comes within us. So he prays that we would know the power that God has put inside of each and every one of you. There's something that's going on inside of believers. There's a power that's there given to us by the Spirit. And Paul is asking God to make that bigger and more powerful. And so in your notes, you're going to see that the main theme of the passage, the main theme of Paul's prayer, is that he's praying for a type of power that would, would make your inner being be strengthened by the Spirit, your inner being to be strengthened by the Spirit, so that you would be able to feel and, and express God's love in all different ways, in all facets of life. And so that's our outline this morning. That your inner being would be strengthened by the Spirit for you to know that God's love is secure, that His love is boundless, and that His love can be experienced. That is the spiritual strength that Paul is praying for for all believers. That you would know deep inside of you that God's love is the place where you should be grounded. That you can actually understand it and you're meant to experience it as well. And so let's begin with uh, verses 16 and 17. According to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is the lifeblood of the entire passage. This is the key that unlocks this is the key that unlocks uh, understanding, experiencing, and being grounded in God's love. It's that your inner being would be strengthened by God. And that's Paul's main prayer concern for people. The number one thing that Paul is praying for us is that our inner beings would be strengthened. Last week, Greg talked about the gospel being transformative for Christians he called it a, a soul-level unity with God and with, with people. The only way that that's possible for the gospel to really transform you, to make you united to God and to each other, is if your inner being is being strengthened by the Spirit. And what does Paul mean by this? The strength that he's asking for us is not an outer strength. Okay. So Samson in the Old Testament, this is one time where God like granted outer strength. If you know that story, he just like destroys a temple with his arms. Like that dude was ripped out of his mind and then he had his hair cut 
If you know the story, it's kind of crazy. And then he lost his strength. And God granted him outer strength for something particular. But Paul is not praying for an outer strength anymore for Christians. He's not praying for a change of our outward circumstances. He's asking that God would strengthen believers in the inner being. And here's the reason why. It's because Jesus' solution to your problem is almost always internal. It's almost always internal. Jesus' solution to the things that are going on in your life that aren't great is almost always an internal solution. Now, it's really easy to believe that our solution is outward, right? That's what we do as humans. We try to change everything around us so that the things that are going on, the particular issues that we're going through are easier. Um, We don't have to go through the suffering as much. We can run and we can escape from hard conversations, from um, hard situations. And there are some where the outward circumstance is the right thing, but in most cases, In most cases, Jesus' solution is for your inner being to be strengthened by the Spirit. Now, when I was playing sports, especially in college, now, we didn't play in front of a ton of people, but like 16,000 people felt like a lot. You ran out of this tunnel, and like up until the third quarter, everyone was there, and then they would all leave, um, which is true. They had to make shirts that said, uh, the end of the shirt said, stay four quarters, because everyone would just leave. But I would have an opening kickoff often, and I remember I would ask God, God, please, help me to not kick this thing out of bounds. Help me not to kick it to the seven-yard line so they can return it and run me over. Help me to just, I just really need to kick a touchback, please, God. I would, I would ask him legitimately to help me uh, achieve in, in kicking. But... The thing is, there isn't really any real power in my external circumstances always going my way. Like, sweet, you can kick a touchback. Where the real power is, where the real power is, is when nothing goes my way, but I'm not shaken to despair. That's what Paul's praying for. That nothing can go your way and you're still not shaken into despair. Because when your inner landscape is being changed, Your external problems can be dealt with in a healthy way. That's what it means to be a kingdom-minded person. Your life can look like it's in shambles, but inside, you're being strengthened by God. You're not wrecked beyond repair. You don't run and hide from hard things. You're being strengthened inwardly to deal with what life throws at you. Now, Paul's writing this from experience. He knows this is possible because if you remember, Ephesians was written from a prison cell. So, obviously, Paul's not like living his best life. He's not porch sitting and like just reflecting against a pond and the sunset's coming down. And he's like, man, this this seems like a really good thing to write to encourage people. That's not what's happening. He's talking from experience. He's been strengthened in his inner being, in his inner being, to deal with what life has thrown at him right now. He's, he's writing from experience. Um, how did Jesus strengthen Paul's inner being in prison? Well, we learned a couple weeks ago that Paul probably shared the gospel with every single prison guard that was there. 
He didn't let his outward circumstances change who he was internally, how he responded to the situation around him. And that's the heartbeat of Paul's prayer for us today, like tomorrow, when we leave church and we're having our Memorial Day celebration, that the Holy Spirit would strengthen you from the inside out. And if you are strengthened from the inside, then life can be dealt with in a healthy way. That's the type of real power that Paul prays for. He's not asking for a power that Christians can go outside and interpret the sound of the wind. right? He's asking for a power that comes from the inside that allows you to deal with anything that life throws at you. And it comes from the Spirit. It's a power that gives you real resolve. It's a power that only comes from God. It's this countercultural power that is only taught in the Scripture that as a believer, you can actually be strengthened inside no matter what happens outside. So what is the inner being that needs to be strengthened by God? In verse 17, Paul writes, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So the inner being is simply described in the Bible as the heart of man. The heart of man. Now I want to clarify what the Bible teaches about the heart because um, it talks about the heart over a thousand times. And so there's a lots to be said about the heart. Um, we know that you can think with your heart. We know from the Bible that you can feel with your heart. We know from the Bible that you can make decisions from your heart. Your desires come from your heart. So I have a a simple explanation according to the Bible in your notes that the heart is the center of your inner being where your thoughts, emotions, and desires reside. It would be wrong to talk about the heart as purely emotional. So it's not just like, it's not just your feelings, but it is your feelings, right? Your heart is your feelings. It's not just intellectual either, but it is your thoughts, your thoughts, your good thoughts, come from your heart. So the heart is the center of your inner being. And it's the place where all of your thoughts, all of your emotions, and all of your desires come from. Okay, And they work together. And so when Paul's asking for God to strengthen us in our inner being, in our hearts, what he's asking is that our thoughts and our emotions and our desires would all grow strong in Christ. The heart is where intellect, experience, and will are all working harmoniously. And what Paul is mainly praying for is that your heart would be an all-encompassing growth center. An all-encompassing growth center. The Spirit is strengthening your heart to grow in maturity for spiritual strength in your knowledge, in your experience, and in your desire. That's what spiritual strength looks like. Your knowledge of God is meant to grow. Your experience of God is meant to be stronger. Your desires become His desires. That's the mark of true spiritual maturity. That you're learning more about God. You're experiencing God on a much deeper level. And the things that you do are changed because your desires become His. That's what He wants when He prays for Christ to strengthen us in our inner being by dwelling in our hearts. It's that Jesus' residence would strengthen you in every possible way. 
Because Jesus affects every possible growth area. We say that Jesus changes everything, and that's the truth. That's what Paul is asking, that Jesus would change everything. He would give spiritual strength that only comes from Him. And then there's a result of being strengthened in our inner being by Christ indwelling our hearts. And Paul expresses it in the second half of the prayer here. Greg mentioned it. He kind of gave a a little bit of a teaser of what that is. What is the result, the expression of its strengthening inner being as a believer? And it's love. It's all about love. Paul initially prays for strengthening of the inner being and an indwelling of Christ in our hearts for a clear purpose. It's not just so that we can be strong. It's not just so that Christ can indwell us. It's so that we can be completely and abundantly and fully filled with the love of God. God's love affects all three facets of your heart and your inner being. He, it affects your change in your desires. It, it bolsters your intellect. And God's love grows your experience. And this is what Paul asks for in the end of the prayer. Verse 17, B through 19. We're going to read that again. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So we're going to look at all three of these facets of the ways that our inner being is being strengthened by God for spiritual strength. How our heart is being affected in our desires, in our knowledge, and in our experience. The first one is this, that we would be rooted and grounded in God's love. Now when Jesus takes residence in your heart and indwells your inner being, your life is meant to be fed and sourced by God's love. Your life is meant to be fed and sourced by God's love. So everything that you do, every decision that you make, every friendship that you have, every time that you step out in service to someone is meant to be completely fed and sourced by God's love. We're described as trees that are meant to grow fruit. And if we are trees that are meant to grow fruit, then God's love is the soil that you are meant to be planted into. It's God's love that makes your root grow stronger. What happens when a plant doesn't have good soil? Melissa has 3,000 plants at her house. That, and it might not be an exaggeration. Every year I get her a gift card for Buckwalter uh, Greenhouse and just a bunch of plants come and we've had plant. I mean, she had a plant that she was trying to grow over the winter, and it just it didn't work out. It died. The soil wasn't good. When you plant something in bad soil, it doesn't matter how good the plant is. The plant is going to die. The plant is going to die. Oftentimes, as Christians, we might be really strong, but we're rooted in other things that are not God's love. 
We're grounded in other things. Sometimes we ground ourselves in an opinion that polarizes us. We root ourselves into causes that aren't God's love. And when we're rooted in other things that aren't God's love, no matter how good the plant is, it's not going to survive. Paul's metaphor here is to help us understand that the soil that truly makes you grow, the only good soil, the only soil that strengthens your inner being, it's the only soil that can strengthen you, is God's love. That's it. And if that's the source that you draw on, then you will be fruitful as a Christian. You will be able to deal with life as it's thrown at you because your roots are deep into God's love. You can't be uprooted from it. That's the first implication of Paul's prayer. That the strengthening of of your inner being by the Spirit and the indwelling of Christ would root you in love. So speaking of the heart again, I hope you can see where this is coming from, that your heart is where your desires come from and your decisions come from. And as human beings, what we're rooted in most deeply is where our decisions come from, where our desires come from. Some of us are rooted and grounded in fear, and so we make all of our decisions out of fear. Some of us are rooted and grounded in the approval of others, and so we make all of our decisions out of the need of of being approved by others. But the real Christian power is when your desires and your decisions are filtered through the grounded soil of God's love. That's the only way to be bound together. It's the only way for the gospel to transform you. That your roots are deep into the love of God. If you, want, if you want or need reconciliation, it's only possible if you are being sourced by the love of God. If you're not being sourced by the love of God, one of the first things we're asked to do as Christians is to work towards reconciliation. You won't want to reconcile because you're rooted in something else. Don't be rooted in anger. Don't be rooted in resentment. Don't be rooted in revenge. Root yourself in the love of God. You will be effective in the kingdom of God. The second way that our inner being is being strengthened by the Spirit in our inner being is that we are actually able to comprehend God's love in a particular way. Now, this is, might seem like, um, like a contradiction because the Bible says that God is inscrutable which is a really fun word. If you learn how to spell it, there's like a U and a couple A's. It's, it's a great word. Inscrutable just means like you cannot understand it. The Bible also says that God is incomprehensible, which means he can't be comprehended. So, and, and I want to mention that Paul actually is the one who writes that God's inscrutable and incomprehensible. And then he writes here in Ephesians, we can comprehend him. Which, it seems like a contradiction. But what Paul's trying to say is that the pursuit of comprehending God's love is not pointless. He might be incomprehensible. He might be inscrutable. But by the strengthening of your inner being, you are actually able to comprehend God's love more and more. 
You don't need to know everything about God's love to know something about God's love. And as believers, if we can comprehend something about God's love, that's a major step towards having a strengthened inner being. Now, I know I said a lot. Let me make it clear. This is as simple as I can make it. The more that you know about God's love, the better. The more that you pursue to know about God's love, the better. And the power that comes within you by the Spirit is that the incomprehensible about God can be comprehended. And he goes on to explain the nature that we should be constantly pursuing as Christians, what we should be trying to know about God's love. He calls it the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. And I think that he, was, he had some things in mind. And you could spend years talking about the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of God's love. But I want to touch on these four pieces just for just a moment. When Paul talks about the breadth of God's love, this is just a fancy word for width for how wide it is, I think that Paul's talking about the fact that every single type of person will be represented in his kingdom. Every single person, every type of person group, every culture, every ethnicity, every socioeconomic group will be represented in the kingdom. God's love is inclusive he shows no partiality. In Acts chapter 10, Peter realizes this when he's talking about the Gentiles. And he says, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. What Paul's trying to explain is that God's love is so wide that it is meant to go straight at your prejudice. The more that you know how wide God's love is, your love begins to widen. Isn't that amazing? You start to love people that you would have never loved because you realize God loves the unlovable. God loves the unlovable. In God's kingdom, there's no lost causes. There's no class systems. There's no segregation. In Revelation, we know that every tribe, tongue, and nation will be represented in the kingdom. And you're going to be worshiping next to someone who grew up very differently from you. The more that you learn about the width, the breadth of God's love, it's meant to help you to widen your own love. Then he talks about the length. How long is God's love? One place I think is relevant is when Jesus describes himself as a shepherd in Matthew 18. And he says, if one sheep leaves the flock, I will leave the flock myself and chase down the one. And when the one sheep is found, he doesn't rebuke the sheep. He rejoices. Because God's love is long-suffering. What's the length of God's love? If you try to run from Him, He has better endurance. Right? If you try to hide from God, He's the best hide-and-go-seek player ever. So you learn about the length of God's love and your love towards God is lengthened. You realize, I can't outrun Him. And then there's the height. I think this one's pretty self-explanatory. 
God is faithful to bring your faith to completion to heaven. If you are a Christian, the height of God's love is you don't have to be afraid because he will bring you to heaven with him. The Bible says that God is going to finish the race on your behalf. So what's the height of God's love? If you are a child of God, you're going to be with him in heaven. No ifs, ands, or buts. You learn about the height of God's love and your fear begins to dissipate because you realize, I will be with God forever. And then the depth of God's love. I think this just speaks to what Jesus did to sacrifice for us. When I think of someone's depth, like of who they are as a person, I think of, we talk about this on the basketball team, don't talk about it, be about it, right? Like talk is cheap, you can tell me how good you are at something, but it doesn't matter if you can't do it, right? Jesus didn't just talk about it, he was about it. His talk is not cheap. He hung on a cross. And we're going to sing this hymn to finish um, the service today. How deep the Father's love for us. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. The depth of God's love is that by His stripes you are healed. When God's love is described by breadth, length, height, and depth, the point is that His love is boundless. There isn't one single square inch where you can go and God's love isn't there. And a strengthened inner being is bolstered by a consistent pursuit of knowing and learning about God's love. That's the second result of your inner being being strengthened. The knowledge of God becomes clear. And so is it a worthy pursuit to understand more about God? Of course. You bet it is. And this is the end. Lastly, as Christ dwells in your heart, you're also meant to experience God's love. We're not just desire-driven people. We're not just intellectual people. We're also experiential people too. You're meant to experience it. Do you guys know how good pizza is? Pizza. Like every child in the world. You give them pizza, they're happy. I love pizza. The dough, the sauce, the toppings. Don't even get me started on a slightly charred crust that's just burnt. Not enough to taste burnt, but enough to taste delectable. You guys hungry yet? It's one thing to learn about pizza. It's another thing to know it. And if you love pizza, when I began to talk about pizza, your mouth might have started to water. Not because I described pizza. It's because you know what pizza tastes like. It's deep within you how delicious this is. And so you can remember what it feels like the experience. That's what it's meant to be with God's love. You can taste it and you can't even explain it. That's what Paul asks for and prays. That your inner being would be strengthened by being grounded in God's love 
and learning about God's love so that you can experience God's love in a way that surpasses knowledge. That's what he says in verse 19. The love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It's meant to be experienced. And the experience that the Spirit gives us by the strengthening of our inner being can't even be explained, but it's peace and joy that comes from God's love that steadies you. You can't even talk about it. It's intertwined and it's amazing because the way that God set it up is that the more that you learn about God's love by the Spirit, the deeper you experience God's love. And the more that you experience God's love by the Spirit, the more you want to learn about God's love. You see how God, God's love fully affects the heart? It changes your decisions, your desires. It changes your thoughts and your emotions. That's what Paul wants for all believers. That your inner being would be strengthened for an overflowing life of abundance and vitality that only happens with love. We grow to the degree that we comprehend, experience, and root ourselves in God's love. If it's not about love, our growth's going to be superficial. But love lasts into eternity. Everything else will pass away, but love's going to be in heaven. Ground yourself in it. Pursue it. Ask God to help you experience it. That's our application. Our application is that we would, we would be praying what Paul prays for ourselves. Ask God to strengthen your inner being by the Spirit to help you be grounded in love, to comprehend love, and to experience it as well. Thank you for listening. Check out our website at southsideworcester.com.